Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Snake Oil Radio here on Blog Talk Radio. Thanks for joining me today. This is your host, Jim Ventura. Uh, if it's your first time tuning into the show, quick information about me. That's uh, just briefly because I want to get to our material. We've got a lot of material to cover for today's show. Again, my name is Jim Ventura. I am a professional navigational consultant. My expertise is in astrology and numerology and all kinds of different oracles. Um, I do uh, I do uh, personal sessions for people here in my home office in Phoenix, consultations, uh, as well as by phone. Uh, any information about any of that good stuff, go to my website, jimventura.com. I also do a uh, monthly uh, newsletter uh, column called Snake Oil, appropriately so. Uh, if you're not already getting my monthly newsletter, email me at venturasag.yahoo.com. So you can uh, check out my monthly column. It's blind copy, so no one ever gets your email address, any of that jazz that comes out of it. Unfortunately, sometimes we can sign up for stuff. You don't have any of that. Uh, I do monthly columns, and I'm a published author of a couple of books. Again, all that good stuff, all that info is on my website. Check that out at jimventura.com if you want to catch any of my books or look into a session. Uh, I've been doing this show for a couple of years now, and we've got a couple of different format themes. Generally, at the beginning of the month, I do a uh, live read of my current column and subsequent discussion of that. Usually, every month or two, I will do an astrology update show, kind of let everyone know what's going on astrologically. Also, those are the shows where I will take, uh, halfway through, I'll take live calls, um, five-minute little mini-readings, pull a rune for someone or a couple of cards, or see what we can tune into for a quickie free on-air mini. Uh, so if you're ever looking for that, that's the show, the Astrology Update shows. Those are the ones to go for for that. Um, sometimes do interviews. And for the last couple of months, I've been doing this Michael class series. Um, and, uh, I, you know, for years I did this series, and I taught this here in my home office in Phoenix with usually about eight students uh, once or twice a year. Taught a number of people. Michael uh, teachings, awesome, uh, some of the best channeled material out there. Um, original books were from Chelsea Quinn Yarbrough, uh, Messages from Michael, more Messages from Michael, Michael's People. Uh, this whole series of channeled books, um, just some of the best channeling I've ever encountered because it's some of the most pragmatic channeling to work with as well, too. Um, and that's what we're focusing on. Uh, I've read a lot of different channelers, and I know quite a bit about that subject. But Michael is one of my favorites, and that's why I started teaching these classes um, on air to the radio show. Um, if you haven't caught the uh, other shows, you definitely can still get quite a bit out of today's show if you're new to it, but you may want to go back and listen to some of our archive shows to kind of get a feel for the uh, early parts of the material, uh, just so you kind of know with a little bit of the backdrop and about the whole dynamic behind Michael and, and catch up on the Soul Age stuff that we did in the last couple of shows as well as just the understanding of how we come from the Tao Michael's Word for God and all that good stuff. Uh, all my shows are, are archived, so you can catch any of them at your leisure, which is a cool thing. As I progress further through this material, I will actually end up doing calls, um, and uh, people who have committed to this material and become quote-unquote Michael students, I will eventually reach a point where I probably will take a call or two later on. Not today's show. We still have a bit of material to cover for the next couple of shows before we begin to get into uh, on-air discussions, uh, but we will eventually get to that. So, uh, the last show, if you caught the last couple of shows, um, I talked a lot about soul age. We talked about the five different soul ages manifest on the physical plane, uh, from infant through baby, 
to young, to mature, to old. Again, these are just terminology or names for them. Um, when we begin our er, incarnation, incarnation, that sounds like being in, in, <laughs> that sounds like being in jail. When we begin to, uh, well, some might look at it that way. Uh, I wouldn't, but <laughs> some might look at it that way. When we begin to manifest uh, our lifetimes on the physical plane, we initiate from the Tao as infant souls, which are very much about survival and basic, uh, uh, just learning how to live and thrive and survive on the physical plane. And then uh, we progress to the baby soul stage, which is about uh, establishing order and structure and, uh, and, uh, and, and just the structure of society. You know, a lot of baby souls now, of course, struggling because society can feel very complicated and unruly and quote-unquote immoral and all the things baby souls typically tend to cling to tenaciously, understandably so, when you understand the cycles. The young soul cycle, which is about... Uh, with about a, a success and accomplishment, doing as well as you possibly can to accomplish as much as you can on the physical plane uh, to become successful. And then through those lifetimes, and there's at least seven in each cycle, by the way, guys, um, probably a lot of times more than that, the move into the mature soul cycle, which is about uh, increased awareness, expanding philosophy and spirituality, beginning to understand your role within this world in relation to other people, um, just an expansion of the soul. And then the old soul cycle, which is older souls are about uh, also spirituality and philosophy, but it's often a teaching cycle. Um, so I went into quite a bit more detail. Uh, again, if you didn't catch that, go back over to those other shows. You'll get a lot out of that. It'll really help you understand your place within the system at this point in the game and really give you a lot of insight into the way other people are in the world as well, too. Because when you do understand soul age, you understand why other people's focus is different. Um, uh, and, and, and it really can be quite helpful. Uh, you know, a baby soul is not going to be drawn to this type of teaching at all. The probability of that is, is next to none. Uh, possible, improbable. Whereas even for young souls, they would not be likely to be drawn to this. Uh, Michael teachings and similar things are really kind of a more of a pull for mature and older souls. So, um, I'm not going to go over that material again, but one thing I want to mention before we get into talking about essence today, which is just an awesome subject to, to really also discuss, because we're going to talk today about what your essence is, who you are, um, at the core of your being. And that is one of the ultimate goals within the Michael teachings, is to have more essence contact, to be able to connect with more of who you are. Um, by understanding essence, you'll also begin to understand the other essences, the other people in the planet. Um, and there are seven essences. Uh, just as all things in the Michael system break down to cycles of seven. So we're going to get into all that in just a few minutes here. Um, one thing I didn't, wasn't able to mention when I talked about the move through the seven soul age uh, stages of development on the physical plane is that within each soul age, so for instance, for a mature soul, there's first level mature, second level mature, third level mature, fourth level mature, fifth level mature, sixth, and seventh. So there's seven stages within each cycle as well too. Now, you may have multiple lifetimes as, say, for instance, the second-level mature soul. But those designations apply to all the ages. So, in other words, there's a second-level old soul. There's a second-level baby soul. A uh, second-level baby soul will follow with a third-level baby soul. Again, although remembering from a reincarnational perspective, you may have multiple lifetimes within each of these stages. A person may do first-level baby three times and second-level baby only once and then go to third-level baby. This just depends on our own individual growth and evolution and how we move through the cycles. 
So I want to talk a little bit about these because they do give a little bit more of an added nuance to understanding soul age and how it works. So, and they are the same in essence for each soul age, just of course they're going to take on a different type of a perspective. So when you're a first-level soul, first-level infant or first-level baby or first-level young, mature, old, what's basically happening is you're just coming out of the previous soul cycle, except in the case of infant when it's just being cast directly from the Tao. Um, so what you have, in effect, is because you're new into the soul age, and I'm going to use an analogy here to explain this. I... Uh, in one of the Michael books, so they use a similar analogy, and I've hooked into it as an explanation for people. It's kind of like going to a public pool or going to the beach, as an example. So let me make that <laughs> it's an odd analogy, but when you hear it, it'll make total sense to, to you guys listening. Um, so the fir- a first level of any soul age cycle, again, first level infant, first level baby, first young, first mature, first old, you're, you're coming out of the previous soul age cycle, so you're new to it. So there's a trepidation, there's a caution. You're beginning to really dive into that soul age while still often hanging on to the previous soul age. So uh, a a first level uh, uh, baby soul would still be acting a lot from an infant soul mentality, but beginning the process of laying down structural rules according to what society is supposed to be um, uh, appropriate for a baby soul. They may only do it 30% of the time. They still may act largely from an infant soul perspective. Same thing if you're an early old soul, first level old, you will still be often quite immersed a lot into a mature soul perspective and feel safer with that, beginning to venture into the old soul perceptions. So my beach analogy or pool analogy is it's sort of like when someone goes to the beach, it's that person who doesn't actually go into the water they may look at the water or they may stand on the edge of the water and just let the water possibly kind of touch their uh, toes a little bit, but they never really fully go in. So that's my analogy for a first level of any cycle. Um, at second level of any cycle, again, second level young, second level mature, now what's happening is you begin to immerse yourself more into that soul age. So you may have that type of person who is uh, at the beach, and now they're up to their knees or even up to the waist in the water, but they, they're still not completely fully in it, partly in it, but not completely in it, certainly more than the first level who's just with best might put their feet in the water. But be, you know, I, have, I have a sister who's second level old soul, and I remember once observing her at the beach. Me and my brother immersed into the water and swimming around at the, at the beach and having a good time. And there's my sister standing right at the point where the waves break onto the shore, so she's getting beaten, knocked down by the waves. But she'd have less pain if she just go in the water. <laughs> she just wasn't ready to fully immerse herself into it. So my perfect analogy for second level. You're much more immersed into that soul aid cycle, but you're still not completely fully in it. You may not fully 100% trust it, but you are really beginning to explore it. Now, a third level of any soul age development, by then you kind of get the analogy of now it's sort of like the person who is completely in the water, but maybe even a little isolated. Third-level souls in any cycle tend to be a bit more introspective. It's almost like you're completely in the soul age or studying it at some level. So there can be a tendency to be a little bit more withdrawn. Um, some of the overleaves, and we'll talk about what overleaves are in uh, future shows, um, uh, will, will show us 
uh, you know, that, that person may be uh, in caution mode um, or may be uh, uh, in submission as a uh, goal. We'll talk about all those things a little bit so you understand those terms. But so what you find at third level is you're pretty much in that soul aid cycle. You're really immersed in studying it. But you might find yourself needing to more quietly study it. A little bit more of a pullback often can happen, even though there is immersement. So at fourth level of any soul age development, now you are completely in it. You know, fourth level is often a karmic creation stage because you're so actively in the cycle of what you are. If you're a fourth level baby or fourth level young or fourth level old or mature, you're completely in that soul age cycle. So because you're in it and you're living it, there can be some repercussions uh, that can eventually come out of it, but that's the intensity of uh, the message in, in fourth level is often very strong. Um, it's kind of like the uh, analogy of being in the water at the beach, but playing with other people, interacting, maybe even splashing a few people because you're active and maybe you're pissing some people off and you're exciting some people. Fourth level is a very active stage in soul uh, movement. At fifth level, this is kind of the weirdest stage in the cycle. Um, at fifth level, uh, you are completely in the soul age. You're often quite comfortable with it. Um, but often somewhat eccentric. Uh, it's because you're almost too comfortable with it. There can be a, a real kind of interesting dynamic that happens for fifth-level uh, souls uh, at that stage of development because you might be in the water playing around with other people, but you might be doing backflips. You might be, be a little weirder than some of the other people in the, uh, the pool, so to speak. Um, but often there is somewhat of a confidence at fifth level. Um, the, uh, let me give it a perfect example of this. Gary Larson the creator of the Farside comic books, I believe is fifth level old, uh, as am I. And uh, if you look at Gary Larson's cartoons, they are really weird, but brilliant. Uh, so fifth level of any cycle tends to have kind of an interesting dynamic behind it, a more eccentric, more immersed into the cycle itself, but eccentric about it. And also, um, like, uh, fifth levels can often... Uh, perceive the next cycle. Uh, at least they're aware of it. They're conscious of it. So a fifth level mature soul will begin to be getting glimpses and awareness and some understanding of old soul perceptions. Uh, baby souls will often begin to perceive and, and grasp some of the concepts behind the young soul cycle. Um, fifth level old soul, you know, you're going to be, be more able to grasp the other world, um, the other life. Um, when I learned the system and I found out it was fifth level, uh, it was no shock to me. Uh, you know, I, I was a, I remembered living other lifetimes when I was a child. I didn't know other people didn't do that. Uh, but definitely weird, uh, and I say that in a good way, <laughs> in that sense. Um, fifth level. Sixth level of any soul age cycle, you're definitely fully immersed, obviously, within the soul age cycle, as complete as could be. But sixth level is often a karmic payback cycle. Um, there's an urge to complete some of the lessons of the cycle, so many times six levels are drawn to be teachers in some capacity or another. Often there's a very, very strong focus on the paying back of karma. So um, I have a very good friend of mine. She's sixth level mature, and she's had some real interesting ups and downs in life. Brilliant woman, lovable, smart, kind, compassionate, as most mature souls often are. But a lot of difficult drama, a lot of stuff she's, you know, she's has, uh, she had three sons and she lost two of them. Uh, along the way where they died. I mean, that's just, that's a lot to grasp and to handle uh, for different reasons. Uh, so six-level cycles can be difficult in that respect, 
but often again there is a full immersement into that soul age cycle and a desire from the soul, from the higher self, to pay off the karma. Uh, my full analogy is six levels are getting splashed back from other <laughs> from previous lives of splashing others. Now you're getting splashed back. And the seventh level of any cycle is one of the most confident. Um, at seventh level, one is completely immersed in it, fully understands that soul age perception. Um, and often there could be a very kind of interesting charm that you find with seventh levels because of that confidence within the cycle. Uh, my dad was a very lovable man. He passed about five years ago. And uh, people just loved my dad. My dad was seventh level baby. So we had that baby soul stuff. Catch the previous shows if you don't know what I mean by that. Uh, but my dad was a very lovable kind of a guy. There was something very calming about him. Uh, people were very drawn to him, very common for, for seventh levels and any soul age cycle. Um, a seventh level young soul would be someone who was very knowledgeable about success and accomplishment, but was more at peace about it in some respects, understanding the ups and downs of the inherent within the cycle. Um, so seventh level is that. It is, you know, you're completing that stage. Um, they're completely immersed within it. Um, I always think of um, uh, his name, uh, the actor uh, Louis De Palma from Taxi, um, Danny DeVito, a perfect example of a seventh level mature. Something about him, very likable, very, you know, very deep, but funny, you know what I mean? Very, uh, very common for seventh levels, especially in the mature and the older soul cycles, and even to some extent, uh, seventh level young. Back to my pool analogy, seventh level person is um, in the water, but they've decided to be smart enough to float on a raft with a margarita in hand. Uh, so that's my analogy. So once you finish up with your life lives within a seventh level cycle, again, there might be many, you then move to the next soul age cycle, beginning at first level of that soul age. So if you're seventh level old soul, that's kind of the end of the game. And you cycle off, and as we talked about in previous shows. Okay, so I hope that helps to round out the information about um, soul age that I gave. Uh, again, I may talk about this more in future shows, but I really did end up covering quite a bit of that. So hopefully that gives you guys some insight. Um, so now we're going to kind of switch gears, and now we're going to talk about essence. Um, finding out what your essence is and beginning to understand the essence of other people is a very, very, um, really an awesome way to get insight um, to uh, who you are. And it also will give you a lot of insight into other people. Um, I think that is really, really important because we, we tend, uh, because there are seven different essences, we tend to almost automatically, um, oh, what happened here on my, hold on one second, what happened here, why am I booted out of my own room here? Okay, I guess, uh, okay. Blah, 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 blah. All right, I don't know what's happening with the Internet sometimes. Uh, I get booted out of my own room. No, I think I am still in there. Uh, a little smiley face. And sorry, anybody? Okay. Oh, I, got, I ended up doing a winky face. Um, hello to Southern Archer. Very cool name, by the way, if you're still in there, Earth Angel. A number of people have, have jumped in. Uh, I want to say hello to everyone who's listening to the show live Obviously, welcome to the show. Glad you're catching it. Uh, and, and also, if you're listening in archive, I, I have a very kind of strong following in archive uh, for obvious reasons. Just sometimes when I'm on, people are not able to, to catch the show. So um, so uh, thanks for uh, joining me today uh, in both accounts. Uh, okay, so again, welcome to uh, quite a few people are jumping in and out. 
of the rooms. Uh, I know sometimes people just jump out of the chat and they're still listening. Uh, and that's okay. I'm going to give this information anyway. That's called being a weird fifth-level old soul. Uh, <laughs> I have no problem with that. Uh, I know, again, people catch in the archive anyway. I like to teach because I can. And, and the Michael material is just amazing to have access to. Okay, so we're talking about essence. Now, here's the thing. When you're cast from the Tao, meaning when you're born, when you decide to incarnate on a planet, in this case, Earth, and once you incarnate on Earth, you play out your cycles and lives on Earth, um, you, so when we talk about being cast, we're not being thrown out. It's more of a choice. It's a decision. You, you, uh, we, we, we come from larger entities. We break into essences. Now, there are seven essences. Again, everything in Michael is in cycles of seven. Some essences are more common than others, by the way, uh, and we'll talk about that. Well, I don't know if we're going to be able to get to all the essences in today's shows. We're going to do our best. If not, I'll do a second show, and we'll continue on with this. But here's the thing, guys. When born, when cast, when you begin your cycles as a first-level infant soul on Earth and begin your soul progression through lifetimes, the, the essence that you take on is the essence you will have for every lifetime. That does not change. So if you're a scholar and cast as scholar, you will be a scholar in every lifetime. Um, we get variance in terms of our lives by our overleaves, by our goal, our modes, our attitudes, our chief negative features. Those things give us variance. But essence itself is immutable. It is who you are. Now, when I go through the different lists of essences and we talk about these, if you find, a res find you're resonating with two of them, Two possibilities here. One, uh, the scholar essence is a neutral essence, meaning it can somewhat appear to slide into some of the energy of other essences. So it could be that you're a scholar. The other thing is we also have an essence twin, or most of us do. Um, I think the figures are 95% of all fragments people um, have an essence twin. So you may have an essence twin that is not of the same essence. So if that is the case, and especially if your essence twin is not physically in a body, you often will take some of that energy of your essence twin, and some of that will bleed through. So um, when I, for instance, when I first learned the system, originally I thought I was an artisan. That's what I was most drawn to. I was going to, I was very good at art, very artistic, very creative. I even went to art school for a while, a uh, really good writer. I mean, I naturally felt that sense at some level that artisan in some ways fit. Um, until I really began to study the system more, fairly quickly, it really began to dawn on me that I was not actually an artisan, that I was a scholar. Um, and when I began to understand the attributes of scholar, it did make more sense. I was more inclined that way. But later on, when I actually even physically met my essence twin in this lifetime, and that's going to be another interesting show to get to, my um, essence twin is artisan. So I recognized where there was a certain little bit of an artisan bleed through that came through from me because of the influence of, of my essence twin. And I'm sure that my scholarly influence uh, influenced my essence twin. So just keep, keep aware of that, that, that you may, and some people have the same essence essence twin. If a person is a warrior, they could have a warrior essence twin. Um, and again, about 5% of according to Michael have no essence twin. But again, it's more common and likely that you do. So there may be some type of a bleed that can occur in that respect. So that's what you're going to kind of catch if, you know, uh, as I go through all these and talk to them about them, of course, that's what's going to happen. You're going to listen to this. You're going to figure out what you are. Some of you are going to know right away. Some of you are going to 
uh, struggle because you might see yourself in a couple of different things and go back and forth until you figure it out. Um, again, when I first learned the system, I thought first I thought priest, then I was pretty set on definite artisan, and then I realized I was a scholar, and I, of course, never deviated from that because I am a scholar. So don't get weirded out if you don't get it right away. Some of you are going to catch it really quickly. Some of it may take a little longer. Now, the other thing about this, again, that's valuable, is when you understand the different essences, you begin to understand the people around you. So now not only do you understand soul age and why people may think differently, but you also will begin to understand the wiring of different people um, and, and how they are. The way an artisan approaches something is often very different from the way a warrior does. So when you begin to, to understand that, you often then not only can you know, say you're a warrior, you'll be able to spot other warriors in a heartbeat, but you also will begin to understand the way that you guys think is somewhat different in that sense, again, because the wiring is different. Again, one of the things that I find that's so uh, appealing about learning and understanding the Michael system is it's only going to create understanding and actually more tolerance. Because you do, you begin to understand the focus is different for different people. You know, I'm a scholar, we're all about information, obsessed with it in that sense. But I understand that a priest is not, a priest essence is not necessarily obsessed in the same way with information, the way a scholar would approach it. In fact, scholars and priests and, and artisans and all the different things we're going to talk about even approach relationships from a different perspective. So this is very key. Now, so let's talk about these seven different essences. Again, some are more common than others. So first let me run through them. Then we're going to start breaking them down in more detail. So the seven essences are artisans, sages, servers, priests, warriors, kings, and scholars. Seven essences. All of these essences have a positive and negative pole. And again, when you're born... If you begin to incarnate on the physical plane in this way as a series of lifetimes, you will commit to one of these essences and you will stay that essence through all of your lifetimes. There's no change. You don't become, you're not a king in one life and then uh, a server in the next. Now, a server can become a king, but when I say king, I'm not talking about a literal thing, meaning all king essences become kings. They often do, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they will. You can have a king essence that is a, uh, a janitor, a king essence that's a nurse. You can have a king essence that is a, um, a hobo in that respect. It's ludicrous to, to make those assumptions that way. It, it's more about the dynamic of how the essence operates. So, now, the thing is, artisans and sages are the expression axis. Um, so, you will find there's a lot more artisans in the world than there are sages. Artisans may make up about 18% of the population in the world, where sages are more like four or five. Um, in the case with the server and the priest, servers tend to make up about 20% of the population, where priests end up making about up about 3 or 4% of the population. Warriors, again, about 20% or so of the population, where kings are more like 1% or 2% of the population. And scholars typically make up about 12% of the population. These are approximate figures and we are talking about the whole earth itself in that sense. And let me throw a little monkey wrench into the game, too. Um, also, um, the other ensouled creatures on the planet that move through reincarnational cycles and have the seven different essences and all those things are actually uh, wells and dolphins, cestations. Um, 
Yeah, our whales and dolphins uh, move through these cycles, have soul ages, all the same things. Uh, their focus is a little different in terms of where they live, but they are in soul species the same way we are. Dogs and cats and animals are not, um, and that doesn't mean that they don't have souls. They do. In fact, most dogs and cats, one of the reasons they are spend so much time around human beings and were bred for it is because they are studying sentience and are contemplating it. Um, they will move through their dog and cat lifetimes and cycles and eventually um, uh, commit potentially to becoming human and beginning that stage and that development of movement as well. Um, but, yeah, so animals have a different type of a soul. They're more like hive souls, but they absolutely have personalities and, 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 and feelings and all those other things. But only human beings, whales and dolphins, have the capability of analyzing the present from the perspective of thinking and uh, excitedly about the future and being fearful of it, worrying about the past or being hurt by it in that sense. Um, uh, other animals don't function in, in those terms. Uh, they're much more present. Uh, human beings and, and, and again, uh, uh, whales and dolphins have a completely uh, different focus in that sense. Um, I wanted to interject that very interesting point of view there. Um, so, okay, let's, so let's talk a little bit about these essences. Let's begin by talking about the expression essences. We have uh, artisans and we have the sage. So, again, artisans are a more common um, essence than sages. And as we go through this, you'll kind of understand why. Um, the artisan essence is all about being creative at one level or another. Now, not every artisan is necessarily going to be an artist, but many are. The artisan essence is drawn to creativity and often are quite good at it. You can have a mechanic who's an artisan. And when you begin to understand this system, you'll, you'll start to really see it. You often, it. It's often very easy for me to spot someone's essence, usually even within a few minutes of talking to them. Um, just because the way people look, the way they carry themselves. Artisans, um, artisans have five channels of input coming in. Uh, all the different essences have different channels of input, meaning when an artisan looks spacey, it's because they have information coming in at multiple levels all of the time. That's the way artisans work. Um, that's why sometimes artisans can seem very creative and very a bit more loosely wired or ungrounded sometimes necessarily than um, other essences. Um, that doesn't mean they are ungrounded. Uh, there can be overleaves, goal modes, attitudes that will certainly ground someone. But ultimately, the essence behind the artisan is all about creating in the world at some level. The positive expression of the artisan Again, Michael Hulkin often speaks in the positive and negative poles, understanding the differences. The positive pole of artisan is creation, the ability to create. The negative is self-deception. Um, because artisans are so creative in the way they view life and the way they see things, they sometimes make things up, um, see things in terms of how they could be. Now, you have to have some of that disposition in order to be creative, to bring something into the world. But sometimes art, uh, artisans can get caught up in artifice or self-deception because they want it to be a certain way. They believe it should be a certain way. Some of that dynamic can easily come through when looking at the artisan. But that is the wiring of artisans. They are very creative. They're naturally good, often have multiple elements of creativity. Um, you generally don't see artisans drawn to politics and, um, and, and things of that nature. Certainly... Um, they can, but they're not as much inclined toward that. Um, 
you will find a lot of literal artists and poets and musicians and performers are artisans, very common. Um, you will find a lot of, even some athletes are, they have more of a creative approach to it. Um, I think you find a heavier amount of warriors in um, in the athletic field. But, again, artisans can go there if they perceive it to be a creative thing to do. Um, so that's the wiring of the artisan. Um, I always think of, uh, again, some of my references outdated to some of my younger followers here, but uh, I think of Jim Ignatowski from Taxi. I've got a Taxi reference on the head today for some reason. It was a great example of an actor who was an artisan, looks like an artisan. But, um, you know, artisans are always creative. They're, the artisan can affect the mood of a room very easily. They tend to feel a lot. They tend to be that that's part of being creative at, at some level. An artisan said, you might catch that. Um, they can be moody in that respect, uh, not uncommon, uh, but they're ultimately always creative. You know, you do have to have a range of emotion in order to be a good creative person. So, again, for me, I'm not an artisan, but I am very artistic and very creative, but I approach it more from a scholar's perspective. When we get to the scholar, they'll kind of understand that as an illustrated point. But um, that one of the ways you can tell artisans, like I said, is they do, they have a very... Um, artistic, creative disposition about them. Again, even if it's just that they're a car mechanic, I shouldn't say just. That's a important job. Um, you can tell the way they are. They can sometimes be a little messy or a little unkept in the way the rest of us would be because they creativity matters more to them in that sense. So again, the negative pole of the artisan is uh, artifice or, or self-deception, uh, and that's not uncommon for artisans to get caught in that trap sometimes. Okay. Now, next we talk about the sage essence. Um, I have been accused of being a sage by people. Sometimes people think I am one because I talk a lot, uh, but I'm actually not. Um, and the sage essence is its sort of like the artisan exalted. That's one of the other things about the Michael system. When we're looking at these different essences, the two essences that are on the expression polarity are artisans and, and sages. The artisan is considered an ordinal position where the sage is considered an exalted position. That doesn't mean one's better than another. Ordinal essences tend to be a lot more comfortable in the background as opposed to being in the foreground, although sometimes they may be put there. You find a lot of celebrities and artists that are artisans that were pushed into the limelight, not necessarily that comfortably. Whereas a sage, an exalted uh, expression, um, essence, is naturally going to gravi gravitate toward the limelight. So the sage is like, again, it's like the artisan exalted. Um, positive pole of the sage is dissemination. Its negative pole is oration. Uh, so you, how do you know if you're a sage? Well, sages tend to live life as if they are performing. Again, naturally drawn to theater and performances. You could have sages that are used car salesmen. <laughs> you could, sages can do anything, anywhere, in any place. But the sage's directive is to give out information. Now, scholars do that a little differently. Sages do it much more creatively with a bit more style in that sense. Um, uh, Burt Reynolds was a sage. Lonnie is a sage. Lonnie Anderson's a sage. Um, uh, Roseanne Barr, an example of a sage. Um, there is, you can find tons of examples of sages because they do tend to kind of get into the limelight at some level. Um, and even physically, you often can tell sages have, I think, three channels of input, whereas artisans have five. Um, often they have, um, you can often notice a sage's mouth. They often, a, a lot of times they're pretty. 
Uh, I find a lot of sages are handsome or pretty. Uh, it kind of goes with the territory. Although sometimes you get sages that are absolutely maybe not so pretty, and that's almost part of the performance as well, too. But sages live their lives to a large extent if they are on stage, another element of creativity, but much more public and much more inclined to want acknowledgement and recognition. Um, so that positive pole of dissemination is the sage's enjoyment of giving information out, of enlightening people, giving people advice, helping people, guiding them, making them laugh, charming them at some level. The negative is dissemination. Uh, not dissemination, that's the positive. The negative is oration. And if you're not familiar with what oration means, I'll give you the my uh, my Sagittarius New York Jim Ventura version of it. It means they don't know how to shut the hell up. Sages in the negative pole can go on and on and on. And, you know, it, it, the sages can be some of the most charming, interesting, <laughs> attractive, funny, entertaining, and wise people. But if you've ever been caught with a sage babbling on and on about something, and when you're trying to basically run out of the room, you'll totally know what I'm talking about. Sages can sometimes run on because they're so fascinated even by the sound of their own voice or what they're telling. A very good friend of mine who's a sage, and he's a very... He's a smart guy, he's very spiritual, and he's an actor, actually, in reality, too. And uh, But sometimes, it's like, kind of when he tells a story, it's like, dude, reel it in, man. You're too much detail, too much information, you're losing me. I don't even know if this was time for you to go into this kind of detail. Uh, we, uh, so we used to watch, like, Walking Dead and some of those other kick-ass shows that are on right now together. He'd come over, we'd hang out, and tape it so we can watch it. But and even watching an hour show with him was like two hours, because he had to pause because he had to talk about something, he had to go to the bathroom, he, everything seemed to take forever, he wanted to dialogue, he wanted to watch all the commercials because he was an actor and he needed to study those too. God, he used to make me nuts, you know what I mean? But he was a great guy, he's very funny, and he's very talented, sage. So that's the sage essence. Um, again, there are lesser sages. You'll, you'll find uh, maybe three, four, five percent at best of sages in the world. And, and when you understand this, there's an obvious reason for this. There can't be that many of them. Uh, they tend to be, they tend to take center stage. Where the artisan is equally as creative, but is much more inclined to take a little bit more of a background approach in some respects to their life and how they live. Okay, now, so we've talked about the expression um, essences. Now let's talk about the inspiration essences. This would be servers and priests. Now, if you read the original books from Chelsea Quint Yarbrough, the Michael, um, the Michael Teachings books, you're going to find something very interesting, which is in the original books, um, they referred to the server as a slave essence. Now, the books were out for years, and a lot of people didn't like, the servers didn't like being called slaves. But the way Michael spoke that was never an intention to suggest the idea of slavery. If you read it, you'll understand there was no negative correlation to that. It just had more to do with the designation that they were attempting to use. But later on, the PC police came along to make it political correct, and they ultimately um, started referring to the slave essence as server. And I'm not against that by any means. I don't think anybody really kind of wants to be called um, a, a slave uh, by, by any means. What's this error thing keep coming up here with my with my room. In the, oh, I only got five minutes going. Wow. Okay. But I'm talking a lot. Okay. So the, the server or, or slave essence, again, about 20% of the population, it is an ordinal position where the priest is the, the uh, exalted or cardinal position. Um, 
uh, positive pole of uh, of server is service. The negative is bondage. Um, so what we find here with servers is the wiring of servers is to help to heal, to fix, to mend, and to caretake for other people. They're good at it. Um, often in, in Asian cultures, there's a, a, a strong focus on, on, on service in that respect. You do find a lot of um, this essence in, in places like that, in that sense. But again, you'll find servers all over the place. Um, they make up about 20% or so of the population. Um, pole of service. Servers actually move through the cycles more quickly than all the other essences. And it's because a server can serve anywhere. They don't need a specific agenda. Um, artisans need something to create. Uh, sages need a performance or something to teach. Uh, scholars need something to study. Service can be done anywhere, anytime, anyplace. Um, servers can, a server bringing you a cup of coffee and making you a sandwich is serving. So they're more able to do their life task more effectively. That's why servers tend to move through the cycles faster, living less lives because they don't necessarily need to. Um, so that's the positive. Um, they're wired for it. They're good at it. A lot of nurses, a lot of doctors, a lot of therapists, the servers naturally gravitate toward that idea of being of service to others. That Again, they're often quite good at it. It is part of their wiring. Um, the negative, though, is bondage or enslavement. You know, I, working with clients, I often, when I work with servers, I can see this tendency. Sometimes they give too much. Um, they may be giving, helping, healing, attempting that in personal relationships or in the work that they do or within family, and they're not getting crap for it. They're getting taken advantage of. They get Because they give and they're wired for it, they can sometimes be taken advantage of it. So uh, sometimes servers will struggle with boundaries in that respect because they can have difficulty with that. Um, so that is, uh, that's an interesting to consider. You know, um, I've got a list of, of the Michael material, like a chart, if anybody wants one of those, I'm going to download that, I think, and have that available on my website within the next few months. I think I've said this before. I don't know if I, ever, but I haven't gotten to it yet, so I'm going to get to it. But otherwise, you could just contact me, and I can um, probably get you this because it's kind of cool to follow along on the chart when you're listening to the material. Um, and it, I'm, it's not going to be a charge for anybody to do that. I'm just going to, I'm just going to uh, download it so I have it and give it out. Maybe but it's probably easy to email it to people, too. Um, but the um, negative pole on, on this list, the one who drew this up, lists the server's negative pole as frustration. And that's what I often hear from a lot of servers, being frustrated in that sense. You know, what, is, what I always found very interesting is when we look at different presidents that we've had, we actually had a server president uh, in the 70s. It was Jimmy Carter. And uh, servers, as a general term, are not geared towards something of that magnitude, because, simply because, again, they are ordinal. And ordinal essences tend to not want to push toward the limelight as much as exalted or cardinal essences do, like priests, kings, and sages. But they can. In the case of Jimmy Carter, we had a, a, a server president. But it's interesting to see what he's doing afterwards because this man, you know, you, you got to pat Jimmy Carter on the back if you know what he's doing now because he's just, uh, whatever you thought of his presidency, I'm not getting into political stuff here and the rights or wrongs. He was really, he's an amazing humanitarian in terms of the stuff that he does. Again, very common for, for the server essence. Um, I, I, this show went really fast. I'm at the end of this. Um, so I'm going to finish up here. Um, I'm going to pick this up. 
Uh, next month I'll do another show and we'll continue on talking about the different essences. Um, I'll finish a little bit more info about the server and then we'll go on to the priest. Uh, but thanks for joining me today. Um, yes, I will get the, uh, the chart downloads um, available in a couple of weeks. So, And I will be here at the beginning of the month for a live column read. And uh, just sign up for my newsletter, AventureSage at Yahoo.com. You definitely want to get that. A lot of good information, uh, specials, and you get to read my books before they go out. And uh, you'll get an update on when the next shows will be as well. So you can follow me here. So thanks for joining me today. Everybody have a great day. Cheers.